It's really great to be here. Um, so we, Liz and I don't normally operate like this, okay? So um, I got up this morning, I said, we just need to let the guys know that we're learning how to do this together because we've both got lots of things to say and um, probably we'll take one another's time. Um, well, we, no, definitely we will, so... Uh, so, the, the, so we're just learning. So thank you for um, being gracious enough to let us learn. Uh, so we were talking this morning about, Liz and I were just having a little conversation about what we're going to do. So Liz is going to kick off, okay? And I want to give her as much time as she needs. I've got my phone there telling me that we, it's on, so we won't take any more than 45 minutes, including ministry, all right? So over to Lizzie. Hi, John. Have you stopped? Yeah, John. Yeah, sure. That's the first thing. First lesson. Okay. Yeah, this is this is a first for us because we um, don't tend to do a double act <laughs> um, because we're very unique <laughs> in our own personalities. Um, we we love being together, but we also recognise who God created us to be individually. Um, it's great to be here. We just want to um, just send our greetings to New Life. Um, and um, it's just been a privilege, as, as Pete was saying, and to just journey with you guys and all that God's got for us. And, and as the word came this morning, Pete was bringing about the fire. It just kind of caught my heart, my, my, just, you know, what God, I believe, wants to say. And, and we had the chimney sweep round yesterday. <laughs> so my mind was going all over the place. I was thinking, oh, poke fires, blow on fires. And, and, and I just really felt that some of the stuff we want to bring this morning, it's, it's kind of like a poke, you know. As, as, as the Holy Spirit begins to breathe on you guys, as the Holy Spirit begins to begin to allow something to just dwell up in your heart, you know, some of the scriptures we want to bring and some of the words we want to bring, it's, it's kind of like a gentle poke and it's done with such love, you know. Um, well, I'm, I'm speaking on my behalf. <laughs> I'm the gentle one. <laughs> um, but so we kind of just... <laughs> No, he's really lovely. Uh, but we kind of, it's great, I can say all sorts of things about him. <laughs> but, you know, God's been kind of speaking to me, not kind of, actually God's been speaking to me so much about the whole essence of joy. And, um, you know, when you're kind of a person that's pretty positive and pretty upbeat, joy is something that you just kind of, I just love to be in a place, a joyful place. And, but God's been really kind of speaking to me a lot deeper about what it is to, to know his joy. And, you know, we can look in Galatians 5, 22, and we can look that we know that we carry, we are fruits, that we, we, part of the fruit is joy. And I've been asking the question to the Lord, what is the difference of being fruit that we are when we abide in him, when we love him, when we in that relationship, and we just we should just be oozing that stuff, you know, that should be our fruit should be just awesome. But and then we go to Psalm 16 and it says, In his presence there's fullness of joy. And my question is, what is you know, how do we just be automatically being fruits in our environment that we carry that joy, that love, that peace, and all those things we read in Galatians. But what is it for us to walk in the fullness and presence in his presence that we just radiate his joy? And kind of just been over these last few weeks and just in my mind saying, God, what is that? And I'm not sure if I've really come up with any answers, but I want to just chuck out some scriptures that God's been speaking to me about. And so if we could just uh, just go to Philippians, that would be great. Because 
I came up with a, a phrase that I was just as I was asking the Lord, and, and I just felt like joy is for every season and not just for Christmas. Because everybody gets that part of season where they're just like, Christmas, it's like, yay, I do joy, you know, everything's joyful. We, we look at everybody's Facebook snaps and Instagram things of these perfect families having this perfect Christmas, and in that perfect environment, we have to remember that's one second of their lives, and let's not be, you know, don't compare yourself with those images that we see, because I love the quote from Theodore, uh, Theo Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. And so, you know, we don't want to have that just at Christmas time that joy is there. But I believe there's something God wants to speak to us that it's for every season of our lives. And as we just quickly just look at um, Philippians, and I'm just going to read it from the Passion because um, I just just love reading that at the moment, just what God's been saying. And if we read uh, four, chapter 4, verse 4, and it says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of your life. Let joy overflow, and you are united with the anointed one. And, you know, just just take that for a few moments. Be cheerful in every season. And, you know, we've journeyed this journey, and I'm sure so many of you have been journeying this journey too. And over the last two years or something, we've had to challenge some very difficult personal situations. But we have been aware of the difference what it is to come out of the presence of God and walk through those situations. So for us, when we've had to deal with stuff that has made us want to cry, and where we've because they've been so personal and you've wept before God, but it comes with that whole essence of actually I come because I come with a joyful heart. And the Lord took me to Romans 12 as well. And if we just briefly look at Romans 12, and I, I feel like I'm just poking here this morning, so I'm just chucking some stuff out because I want to give Rob time. But when we read, it, it talks about, I think it's in Romans 12, verse 12, I think, and it says, be joyful in hope. And this is the verse that God has been speaking so much to me about. Be joyful in hope. Because when their situations are difficult, when situations are hard, we have to know what it is to be joyful in the hope that he's going to bring. And um, so I just want to ask a question, what are we hoping for? And it's not just a joy that we have because we're just going to, you know, we went through one situation about a year, 18 months ago. And I remember God just kept saying to us, dance dance and we would dance sometimes and we would just be weeping in our dance but we would just be going God we just know you're in this situation and we did see incredible breakthrough and turn around in that particular personal situation and it caused us less pain and you know God just started speaking to me very briefly as I was just looking at this yesterday and Romans 12 goes on and it talks about rejoice and I, I don't want to misquote it so we could quickly just turn to to Romans 12, and it says, um, Romans 12, verse 12, one of the things my father always told me, yeah, make sure you get the right scripture, be joyful in hope, patience, and affliction, it goes on, but then it goes on and it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony, and it goes on. And Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. We can only mourn with those that mourn when we know joy. Because if we don't come from that place of joy, we actually come from a place of actual, you know, where we, we bring a lot of anger and we bring a lot of pain. And you cannot mourn with someone when you don't have joy. 
And we need to grasp hold of this because I believe, you know, we need to make sure we do not take on the spirit or the, the, uh, the, env- the environment that we're actually in. And this week, Rob and I were in a situation with, um, we're in London mixing with some guys from um, a network that we're part of. And we were just chatting and praying over some situations. And one particular group of guys were just praying about a situation they're dealing with in their environment. It's a big public national thing, but they're dealing with it. And as they were praying, you just had a real sense that they were coming from a place of anger. They were coming from a place of real frustration and of just in, in what they were saying. And I just felt Holy Spirit just quickly just say to me that actually, you know, if we're not careful, if we don't come from that place of joy, we take the, on the spirit of that environment. And we have to be careful when we go in to whatever environment we go into, bring in, you know, Holy Spirit, that we come in with his presence, that we do not, we have to have that close connection with Holy Spirit, that we do not go in and take hold of the, the spirit of that environment. So we, you know, I just believe Holy Spirit's just speaking to us this morning and it says, be joyful in hope. And if we read in Isaiah 54, it says, sing barren woman. You who never bore a child. And I just love that scripture because it's about sing. And I just believe God is saying to you guys, sing, barren woman. Because then it goes on and it talks about extending your tempex. It talks about, because in preparation, with that joy, you are preparing what God's got for you before it actually arrives. And I just believe God is wanting to speak over you guys that he wants to take you into a season of such joy because where he's going to take you, you're going to change the environment of this area. And so I just have a real sense as, as you go into that season. And, and just one other thing before Rob comes up and speaks. Um, we've been looking a lot of Nehemiah. And as we were just worshipping, I just felt God speak to me. You know, Nehemiah built the wall in 52 days. And we've just been looking at that. What does God, what can God do in 52 days? That he escalates the miraculous, the supernatural speed of what God wants to do in your environment, into your lives. That actually when Nehemiah built that wall, that shouldn't have been built in 52 days. And I just have a real sense that God is saying, and it's, I feel it's a season for this time, it's actually You know, what am I believing for? What am I hoping for that God will do, that he will escalate, that he will increase, that he will bring forth in 52 days? And with that, I believe he wants you to do it with a real sense of joy because be joyful in hope. And I will pass over to you, Rob. Yeah, so so we're not trying to... We're working really hard... So we're not trying to bring a word to you that is like all tidy. Um, Pete said, you know, just come and release yourself. So that's what we're trying to do. Okay. Uh, Lizzie is very joyful. Um, I am joyful, but not as expressively joyful as Lizzie. Okay. Just giving myself some safeguards that, yeah, I, I, I don't... You know, Lizzie's, if you want, oh, where's my glasses? Over there. If you want, a, I always say to guys in New Life, if you, if you want to have real gentleness, you need to speak with Lizzie. Okay, if you, if you want to know an opinion, and then I'm, I'm very good at giving those. Okay, so. But, um, 
So there's just a few things that we want to, we're practicing when, whenever we go elsewhere, we always practice. Because practice makes perfect, that's what my mum said, when it comes to washing up. <laughs> the more I washed up, the more I, better I'd become. Um, so we just wanted to just, is, and the, these may not apply, but is there, does Paul or Paula Ackerman mean anything to anybody? No? Okay. What about flower or flower pot? Okay. Anderson? Does Anderson? I know there's Anderson Road in Chelmsford. Anderson, no. No? Okay. Here's my last one. What about kennels or cattery? Does anybody? No? Oh, well then. Deer? What, for dogs? Okay. Um, do you want to, would you just like to stand up? Is that okay? Yeah, see, I, I just think God wants to say to you that uh, he wants to bring excitement into your life. You, you sometimes are a little too safe, I guess. You see it as being sensible. Uh, but I, I think God just wants to bring you into a, a new f- sense of freedom. He, do you know, he, I, I don't know, I've not been to your house, okay, so I'm guessing. But I think you're quite organised. Yeah. Things are quite structured. Yeah, I like the structure. Yeah. No, <laughs> sure. And um, what I think the Lord wants to kind of, what is your name again, Sorry. Pat, I think what God wants to do for you, Pat, is just to ruffle up some of your organisation because actually it can lead to trying to control rather than to release. (laughs) I'm not saying anything, okay. I'm just being really... (laughs) Okay. So, so, so... because I think you've been, you've been brought up to, to be organised and, and that can lead you into sometimes quite rigid belief system. And I, I just feel that the, the Lord just wants to pull you into a place of freedom. Uh, and, and things are going to get shifted in your environment. Your family may notice the difference. And, but as you be, allow that freedom to breathe on you, there's just going to be a real... Uh, acceleration in, in releasing life into different environments, not only at church, but I believe in, in your family life, in, in your work life, and it's going to be really exciting. And I, I, I just sense that there's, there's a sort of, em, I call, we used to call them smiley faces, but now they call them, is it emojis or something? Yeah. And it, it's a great big smile, and God just smiles over you. Uh, I sense. Lizzie, have you got anything that you want to say to Pat? No, okay, cool. Right, well, that's it. At least one out of four is not bad, is it? Um, I, did get, I went to a church recently in London, and I got three out of four, which was really exciting. But um, I guess the closer you get to London, probably the easier it is. Uh, 
because I'm from Essex, and you know what? Sometimes I get people come up to me and go, oh, you know that word you gave, Rob? It was for me, but I didn't want to stand up, and I didn't want anybody to do anything strange. Can I just say that you, you may. Have you? Come on. I had my first solo ride on it on Friday. Wowza. Do you know, so, do you know we, God just wants to take us on an adventure. Do you know, we, we had um, sort of nine of us route doing street evangelism on Thursday in, in Wickford, and it was starting to rain, and uh, so the lady who leads it, a lady called Leslie Bentley, I think some of you may know her, Leslie said, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go down the high street and we're going to go into every shop that's open. It's seven o'clock at night, and I sat there and thought, oh, really? Because <laughs> uh, it's hard going in, the people are cutting hair and doing their nails it's, or eating food. So I thought, well, I'm not going to go and annoy someone who's having a nice meal in a restaurant. I, I felt a, a check in my spirit to go up to someone who's eating a really nice steak saying, do you know Jesus? <laughs> if you don't, you're going to hell. Do you know that? <laughs> I didn't feel I wanted to do that. So the first shop I went into was um, a Turkish barber's. And there was four Turkish barber's and they were, you know, they're burning ears and shaving necks. And Do you have them in Chelmsford? We have a lot in Wickford, you know. And uh, so I, I knew they were taking the mickey because a couple of weeks ago we took, we took roses into this shop to give to the barbers to say that God really loved them and we gave them the roses and uh, so this time I went and I said, I've got no roses for you but I still just want to say that God loves you. And for me it wasn't a very successful evening. I got introduced to lots of so- shopkeepers, we had fun, no one told us to clear off or go full for multiply. But nothing really happened. But we had a, a couple, after they had finished, they were walking along uh, to their car. And they had to go across... Wick- if you know Wickford Station, you could, there's two entrances. And they walked across the, the, the station and they were going out to where their car was parked. And there was a drunk on the bench. And he, he just said to them, you know, hello. And they sort of jumped because they'd finished. You know, like we're Christians. We've, we've had our hour of street evangelism. Now we want to get home and, you know, God only moves when we tell him he can move. And uh, this guy said, you know, how are you? And they, they turned around and he was drunk. And, um, and then he just started to tell him about what they were doing. And he said, you know, I need that in my life. And on Wickford Station, they led a drunk to the Lord. Friday morning when they're telling me this story, I start to get into religious mode. What do you mean he gave his life? I'm, I'm not saying this to them, this is in my head. Okay, what do you mean he gave his life to the Lord? He's drunk. That doesn't happen. Then I started to realise that my theology of salvation is severely warped. Because I see someone coming to Jesus, being at church on Sunday, going through a discipleship programme, doing Christianity Explored, and changing in, an, in a you know, couple of weeks and being discipled and being challenged and being at every meeting. And I realised that whilst that might be what I've experienced in my church life, that you know, they only become Christians when they follow a set of programmes, I realised that that wasn't Jesus' model of church. His model was leading people to him and then saying, Go and sin no more. 
I don't know what happened to that guy on the platform. I might never meet him. But if his request to get to know Jesus is sincere, God will lead him where he needs to go. And I believe that we need to change how we demonstrate what the kingdom looks like. He doesn't come, he didn't come for garbage. He come for treasure. I think for some of you, you need to hear that. You're treasure. You are not garbage. If someone agrees, there was some cheering. I think it was just me. Maybe it was the angelic. Thank you, Papa. So... Do you know, religion really upsets Jesus. He was like an exocet for it. I'm, I'm not here next week, so I can say all this. <laughs> all right. Religion really gets me angry. And um, we, do a, we do a training called Ascend Training, and this year we've got 11 students on it. And we were watching Todd White. I don't know if you've heard of Todd White. And there's a bit in there. He wasn't there, but there was these religious people walking down with a plaque. You know, you're going to hell. God loves you, but your lifestyle stinks. Have you? And they were walking up and down, and the team realised that they couldn't operate. And then the guy that's leading the team, he just went over to the religious guy and he just started to pray blessing on him and openness. I don't know if you've seen the clip, but it's one of the the DVDs. And I realised that that was me. Sometimes I make assessments of people, uh, whether I like them or not. And I realised that that wasn't how God wanted me to behave. And, uh, but I do, I do think religion is a mindset, okay? But most people, you couldn't determine, are religious. They are created in God's image. They are God's people. But religion is a mindset. And, and I believe that God wants to break off that religious mindset off of us. Freedom. There is no place for for religion in in a free environment. So, a couple of weeks ago, we was we was at a we, we decided as a leadership team that we're going to pray once a week for an hour and a half, um, and whoever shows up from the leadership team, so we're not judging. You know, where are they? But the first evening, Liz and I uh, got to the prayer room and Liz's view of a prayer meeting and my view of a prayer meeting became quite different. And uh, so Lizzie was, you know, worshipping Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Release joy, release joy, release joy. 
I have no problem with that. But I just said, about after half an hour, do you know, I really like it when I'm alone with God and it's quiet and I can really hear the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I'm amazed that Lizzie took that to mean, you are a distraction <laughs> and please could you stop making any noise. Okay, but I share that because we had quite a strong discussion the next morning, didn't we, Liz? Uh, In fact, a very strong discussion. Uh, We even got kind of cross with each other, didn't we? Lizzie came into my my sort of quiet, my cave room, and she opened the door, and I thought she was going to say, I'm sorry, but she didn't. She said, don't you ever shut the door on me. (laughs) So I just want to... I'm disarming your views of us. Okay. But at this prayer meeting, and and this is what we both felt was right, just to share a little bit this morning, um, and then maybe just do a little bit of ministry if if there's time, is just from John, John 11 and the raising of Lazarus. Okay, so we were in the prayer meeting, and all of a sudden we started to... As a, as a group, we started to look at this story of the raising of Lazarus. And so you've got, it starts off, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and a, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You know, worship is such a key thing. Just, I, I'm interjecting now, I'm going off down a little path. But, you know, worship isn't the guys that sing at the front. They just help us to worship. So if the worship's been naff for you this morning, it's got nothing to do with the guys at the front. Just what throw that in. You can, you can wash feet. And that's what I'd encourage you to do. Jesus loves it when we're extravagant. Even when the music at the front isn't great. I'm a worshipper. I'm called to worship. And in that place of just intimacy of worship, you know, he just downloads stuff. And I just sensed this morning that there was some stuff that God was downloading while we were enjoying his presence. And I just carry on, it's great. And the other two, it's brilliant. It's just great, you know, he's, he's wonderful. Anyway, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, and I love this, this is Jesus, just really, if you want to get good theology, look at how Jesus operated. Perfect theology on the move. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, I don't know about you, but I would probably have expected Jesus to have instantly gone. So if someone taps me on the shoulder and says, Rob, this person needs prayer. I would kind of feel duty-bound to go at that moment. Not say, uh-huh, okay. But Jesus, it's interesting, he, he doesn't do the conventional. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Woohoo! Can you just imagine a church leader who gets told there's a need in the church and because he loved them, he didn't do anything for two days. You guys would be saying, I'm going, I'm going to join New Life Church Crouch Valley. I just want to tell you that we take four days to move. Okay. <laughs> do you get, just, you know, we, we see love as, come on, if you loved me, you, you probably don't. My wife might sometimes say to me, if you loved me, Rob, you would clean the kitchen whilst you're cooking. <laughs> just what I, see, that's manipulation and control. If you want me to cook food, get out of the kitchen. But in our house, the kitchen, despite my, my hope that Liz doesn't feel this, is the kitchen kind of feels like that's Liz's domain and I can't do anything in there unless I'm given permission. Maybe not in your house. But I want to speak a word over you guys. It's just come from me, so I, I'm not here next week, so this is great. You know what? You guys, your ladies will only get to the ceiling of where God wants them to go when you allow them to be released. I was talking to a friend, and they were talking about, it's in our church, and she said, you know, we were talking, I said, you know what? My wife is powerful. But in our culture, we have to allow our wives to be powerful. That's the way it is at the moment. Women still fighting for, for places that, is, that are rightfully theirs. And uh, she said, oh, you, you, I don't like that. That kind of looks like you're being controlled. I'm not trying to control it. I'm just trying to control it. I'm trying to give her an environment where she can live out who she is. And my dad grew up where the man was the head of the house. Well, that's what he thought. But the reality was, mum probably dominated most of the decisions that we made. He just thought he did. <laughs> the only thing he kind of dominated was the TV controls. I don't know if you've noticed that, but most men... Whew, if you want to... In our house... I'm trying to pull out here. In our house, don't mess up the kitchen, you'll upset Liz. But in our house also... Grab the TV control, kiddies, grandchildren, and you're going to have to deal with pops. Okay? Uh, anyway, moving on. So he took two days. Now Jesus loved Martha, and he stayed there two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and you are not going back. You... People... Have fears. Leaders have to walk through and take people from fear to fearless. So Jesus said, I love the way Jesus didn't even really communicate to the disciples. What, you know, he didn't rebuke them, he didn't tell them off. And Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk in the daytime will not stumble. He's trying to say to them, you know, be chill, Pete. Stop getting uptight about this building. Stop worrying about the boxes and the mess. Get Just call Liz. She is a cleaning freak. She loves to clean. Get, get, the, 
controllers, the, you know, the, the people with uh, OCD, get them in there and they'll sort that out for you. Release. Those who walk in the daytime will not stumble, for they see the world's light. It is when people walk at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has not fallen asleep, has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he might naturally sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. It's interesting conversation that he had with his disciples. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go with him. And I love this statement of Thomas. So Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go. You think, whoo, man of faith, that we may die with him. Here, just listen to this group who is trained for nearly three years. Listen to their language. They've, they've flip-flopped five times in this story. They're not, I, I think Jesus must have sat there and thought, Goodness me, what am I going to do with this group? He just said, come on, I'm going to show you some things that will train you. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Now, so he's been dead for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them. Do you, do you know the people that comfort people in their brokenness? It's okay, God has come to comfort us, but he hasn't come to make us feel comfortable. All right? So he's... I, I'm, we're very clear who we want around us who comfort us. And I want to tell you that comfort isn't keeping a lid on your expectation of what God can do. It isn't saying, I'm not praying for... Don't pray for sick people because they might not get healed. I want to say pray for sick people because they will get healed. It's a different mindset. It, it offends religious people when you start to operate out of a kingdom worldview. Where you're not trying to get people to come to church. Although as a church leader it's helpful sometimes. Although I no longer lead. Liz is my campus leader and I have to submit to her on a Sunday. I just want to say God wants us to encounter the living presence of who he is. And that is Everybody. Every day there is fresh manna. It's new every morning. He has more for you. Sorry, Rob, wrong message. Move on. So they get there. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here when my, bro my brother would not have died, but I know that even now you will give whatever he asks. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, oh yes, I know that on the last day. And he says this. I am Now this is where Jesus is now pulling into his environment. He says this. And I want to tell you there's power in declaration. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though he may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's making some declarations around the environment because he's, he's travelled for four days with a group of disciples who don't really inspire too much faith. They're probably arguing all along the way, still arguing who's best, who's best, who should be leading the worship, but when we get to Lazarus' tomb, you imagine all that kind of stuff. Who's going to preach? 
Yeah, who's going to do the welcome? No, you know, oh, I'm better than him. Why is he using him and not using me? You probably don't get that in this church, but we do. Sometimes. So, Lord Jesus, sorry, I've lost my bit. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who was come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. I find it interesting. He still wasn't at the village. He didn't go to the house. They met him outside of the village. And I, I, there's some things that I think you can unpack. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. This is the problem. We surround ourselves with the wrong kind of people. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet And said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. I just want to say to you that that's a gentle word. What it actually says is in the Greek, in the authorized version, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Unbelief causes Jesus to groan. And I think he groaned like, oh! You know that kind of groan. How much longer will you not get this? He didn't say that. He just groaned. And it was a deep groan. Where have they laid him, he asked. It says in the New Living Translation, and this is where we were looking at, a deep anger welled up in Jesus. What was he angry about, Will? Better move on quickly. Come and, where have you laid? Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept, so there's compassion. Then the Jews saw, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It says the NIV. I want to just tell you that it's a wrong translation. It's... He groaned in himself. So there's another, whoa! Sorry. Forgive me. Didn't mean to deafen you. He was troubled. Unbelief troubles God. And there was a lot of unbelief in that area. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But the Lord, but Lord, so this is us getting into, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, the body will be smelly. Do you really mean move away the tomb? He said, stone, yes. So she moved, they moved away the stone. What I find interesting, then Jesus said, again, this is it. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Another declaration. Not looking at what the people are saying. Another deck. Did I not say? He knew exactly what he was doing. So they took the stone away. I would have looked. 
It says here, they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, if someone rolled a stone away from a dead tomb, from a tomb with a dead body, you know what I would have done? I would have stuck my head in the tomb to see what it was like. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, he says, so he took the stone. Then Jesus looked up. He looked up. Where did he look up to? He looked up to see what heaven was like. Not what earth was like. Whoa. This, this is, we, were, we were blown away when we were reading this. I often look, what is, heaven, what is earth like? But I'm not called to do that. I'm called, what does heaven look like? Because my requirement is to release heaven on earth. To do the things that Jesus did. I need to know what heaven's like. We need to be focused on heaven. Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Woohoo! When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. And then they said, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth all around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. I find it interesting he didn't take the grave clothes off. Because you know what pastors do? We take off the grave clothes. That's what we think we've got to do. But actually our job, your job, is to take the grave clothes off one another. Your job is to take the grave clothes off of each other. Not to keep them on. Every time you look at someone in a critical way, you put grave clothes on them. But when you look at what they can be, and who God has called them to be, you remove grave clothes. And I think there's some grave clothes that God just wants to remove this morning. Does anybody tinkle the ivory? Is that okay? Thank you. So Liz and I are just going to call out some things that we, we feel are some of the grave clothes that God wants to remove off of people. And if it applies to you, I would just encourage you to stand. Not that we get blessed because you stand. We do. But we know this is a right message. We know God is on this. And he's brought us here this morning just to help you to lift off of you some grave clothes. I want to talk about a grave clothes of disappointment. If you're carrying disappointment, I would just ask you to respond. If you're carrying, wearing a grave clothes of despondency, 
I'll just encourage you to stand. If you feel overlooked, I'll just encourage you to stand. And if you're always comparing yourself with somebody else, I would encourage you to stand. Jesus didn't just take off the, the strips of um, linen, but he also took what was covering the face. And I just feel as, as if we've carried this for a couple of weeks that actually God wants to take the cloth from our mouth because we have a voice to cry out. In Isaiah 54, as I said earlier, the barren woman sung. And I just believe that actually we need to release joy. We need to release the sound of a shout. And it was just interesting that came across as you worshipped this morning. But I believe God is saying, I want to take the cloth from your mouth so you can speak, that you can cry out, that you can worship. So if any of those words apply to anyone here, and there's more we could say, but we've just picked on a few, but if you sense that you're wearing grave clothes, I would just encourage you to stand right now. Thank you for being vulnerable, guys. I just want to encourage the family just to look at these guys that are standing. They've identified they're wearing grave clothes. You know, when we sung that song, Let It Rain, Open the Floodgates of Heaven, I just want to say that heaven's already opened the floodgates. (laughs) He's done it. We need to live in the fullness of that floodgate. So I'm just going to sing, if that's okay. I'm just going to sing in the spirit. Sodo no e basan de ke herasarondo sebedi. I want you to fly I want you to excel My desire is that you know freedom and that you live free. I want you to fly. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm.
Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Standing near someone who's standing, can you just put a hand on them? That's all right. Yeah, Lord, I just want to thank you that you are so skillful at knowing what we need when we need it. You know the grave clothes that we might be wearing. We might we might be alive, but there might still be some lies, or there might still be some things that are weighing us down that we're carrying that's unnecessary but Jesus I want to thank you that you've spoken to each one of us and you said come out come out live so we just want to declare life and freedom over each one just as Rob and Lizzie have been ministering this morning we just want to Agree with heaven that you have life and life to the full for each one who's standing. So we just declare freedom over them right now. And Lord, I thank you that you're not in a rush. Lord, we might have come to the end of our morning this morning, but you're going to carry on ministering, leading us into more freedom. But I thank you, we know your intent, Jesus. We know your desire for us and we trust you with our lives. We trust you with tomorrow and the weeks and the months ahead. Thank you, Lord. Amen.